podcast as part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome to today's episode of 49ers Unrestricted. I'm Timmy Gibson here with my co-host, Daniel Bigelow. Daniel, how was your Memorial Day weekend? It was lovely. Thank you so much for asking. I spent the weekend in Monterey, California, one of my favorite places on this planet. Great place. Great place. Nice aquarium. Nice aquarium. And I did go. I did go. I was with my friend and his wife had never been. So we had to go. And it was an awesome time. Uh, Riding along the coast on e-bikes was uh, by far the highlight. Some of us prefer to pedal our bikes, but but Daniel likes to just coast, apparently. Absolutely. Well, it has been a hot second before we've been able to join you, 49ers fans, as I'm sure you all know, as avid, avid listeners to the 49ers Unrestricted podcast, we release every other week in the offseason with potentially you know, an emergency episode here and there, depending on news. But today we want to just take some time and catch you up on some of the 49ers news, what's going on, OTAs started in this time span, see what we're thinking out of there, who showed up, who didn't, who might have gotten a scholarship to tight end university we'll probably need to talk about. So yeah, definitely I think this is just going to be a, a news episode and Daniel, you got the, uh, the first story we want to talk about, I think. Yeah, there's, there's a bunch of small things, small-ish things that I just want to catch us up on. Uh, and one of the bigger ones to me is that the Niners signed two tight ends, one of them being Tyler Croft, who I believe was most recently on the Jets. I believe he he was drafted by the Bengals, I want to say. He's bounced around, and I believe he was most I've recently on the Jets. I've definitely played him in fantasy football before. Yeah, he was definitely a streamer for you, I assume, or a bench tight end. Oh, yeah. And then they signed another tight end. I'm going to butcher his last name, but it is Choi uh, Fumagalli, I guess. Yeah, not that hard. Just a just a funky spelling one. But Fumagalli, uh, he was on the Broncos, maybe bounced around as well. Uh, not he's sure. A, he's, a, he's a big guy, right? He is, and I think he's more of a blocker. I'm not sure where he fits in at all. We still have Ross Dwelly. I think Tyler Croft is worth, worth keeping. So Troy I don't Fumagalli know where... is six foot five. Jeepers. Yeah, I don't know where he fits in or if he truly makes the team, but, you know, he's coming in for camp and he gets a shot. Yeah, and something that might be another piece of news that I think could be relevant here is I believe George Kittle is is currently nursing an injury and not really participating in any offseason activities. So it could just be like we needed a tight end on the field for OTAs. So that that can be behind that as well. I'm not sure if you know the details there. Let me run a, run a quick Google search. As a new George Kittle owner in a dynasty fantasy football league, I uh, uh, I am excited to share that George Kittle is nursing a I think it's a lower leg injury, but let me see. Also, how is George Kittle? Yeah. George Kittle, this is from last week, CBS Sports, dealing with lower body injury. Kyle Shanahan said that he is dealing with a lower half issue and isn't expected to participate during OTAs, at least last week. So it sounds like he could go, but the team is being smart. This is all from Shanahan's quotes, and there's a good chance he'll be held out until training camp. So that makes me think that that is the reason 
behind those signings. Um, nothing shocking there in the George Kittle injury. We've seen him play football. The man takes a beating. Obviously, he'd be out there if it was a game and it mattered is, is how I'm reading into this quote. So I don't I don't think he needs much practice. Let's let him get his body right. Let's let him enjoy tight end university in Nashville this summer and go from there. Yeah, I'm not sure how much he'll be involved in the playing realm, but I also wonder how much he's involved anyways. I think he does a lot of coaching or a lot of a lot of tips yeah, and should tricks. We, should we say our tight end university news real quick? I'm Go ahead. About this. Trey Lance was invited as one of the as one of the passers to come visit tight end university and throw to the to the aspiring tight ends tight end university. This is the second season it's being run. It's run by George Kittle is really the founder. And then Greg Olson, who's now retired and placing Troy Aikman in the booth, actually at Fox is kind of the other guy who leads it. And they get a bunch of tight ends together in Nashville. And, and Kelsey. And Travis Kelsey, yeah, a lot of these more established guys. That's true. That's the three. My bad. They get a lot of these younger tight ends, tight ends from all over the league come out to Nashville and they they work out, kind of share tips and and work together and just kind of I think they think they have a good time and hang out. And Trey Lance was invited to pass. And so I think I think there's actually a I think that's kind of important. I'm excited about that because I think it shows George Kittle has been like a Jimmy guy for years. And last season, Kittle was like I'm behind Jimmy. I'm with Jimmy. Like they are friends. They worked really well together. And this is a sign that to me that Kittle is like ready and excited to work with Lance. They invited him to this. So I, like, I don't think it's a huge deal, but, but the fact that he was invited to me points to that being a good relationship. And I mean, that's one of the most George Kittle's maybe still the 49ers best pass catcher when he's at his best and a good relationship between him and Lance is super important. So that just, to me, points to that starting off on the right foot. Kittle's also said a lot of nice things about Lance recently. I just, I'm excited he got the invite to tight end university. And there were a lot of fun tweets about it from George Kittle. George Kittle's great on Twitter. Just a good time. Zach Wilson was invited too, right? Jets quarterback, Zach Wilson. Yeah, I think so. That sounds right. And then I've also seen some reports that uh, I believe Kittle said on the Pat McAfee show, maybe it was something else, um, that Jimmy and George haven't talked like all off season. Oh, really? He, he yeah. did go on McAfee. I listened to that. I listened to the clip where he talked about Trey. Yep. Uh, yeah. So Pat McAfee had a lot of questions for, for Kittle about Trey, just because he was, uh, you know, it's a different kind of podcast. That's where guys are very open and honest. And it was cool to hear the things that Kittle had to say. You know, he was very open and honest about the situation. He's like, yeah, it's awkward. Jimmy's a starter. We draft Trey Lance comes in like we we all know what's going to happen. We're just waiting for it. But it's just kind of this weird thing. And he you know, we've we've talked a lot about how how well Jimmy has handled it. He's been a class act and Kittle just confirmed that. So that's been cool. And uh, and some other cool news, um, pro football focus rated Fred Warner as the number one linebacker. So just wanted to say that and I wanted to celebrate that. Uh, it was a couple of years ago, I believe two years now that Fred Warner was by far all pro Fred, all pro Fred was uh, easily the best linebacker in the game. Didn't have as amazing of a year this last year, still a good year, but wasn't as blatantly obvious uh, as the best linebacker in football. So cool to see that pro football focus has him rated yeah. number one. And hopefully that instills what well, more fire to play to that this year. What Warner can do is so important too, because you add in not just like 
not just everything he does for the team, but adding even just the pass coverage he can have. I think that's really what sets him apart from, from a lot of his other counterparts at the linebacker position. Like a, like a lot of times if you get a, a tight end matched up or even a receiver matched up on a linebacker, like that's a quarterback's dream. And with Warner, like he, he does not give you those. And that's a huge, uh-huh. a huge benefit what he can do on the field. So yeah, I think well-deserved uh, Fred Warner pro football focus had another award for the 49ers. I saw on Twitter recently too. They had the 49ers ranked as the number one defensive line yes. in football, which yeah. like, duh, we knew that, but pro football focus providing some, some really good analysis there. And we've, we've talked about how great this 49ers defensive line unit is. And I think what makes it really special is it's not just guys like Bosa and Armstead, but it's these guys who can consistently come in and produce. And I think it's really a sign of the coaching staff. I think, and I wrote this in an article a little recently that, Kerry Hyder probably sums this up better than anyone. He's a guy who kind of came in out of nowhere, played for Chris Kosurek in the 49ers defensive line coaching staff, had the best season of his career, led the team in stat, led the team in sacks. This was in 2020, went off to the Seahawks, made a bunch of money, wasn't as good, and is now back on the 49ers because he knows how much that D-line and how much that coaching staff can do for him, plus the benefit of rushing alongside like some really elite players. So that, yep. that 49ers... I think the PFF giving the 49ers the best defensive line in football isn't just an award to the talent. It's really an award to the coaching staff. And that makes me really happy because that's something that that can really last a long time. And so I just I think strong defensive lines are going to be a really a defining feature of the 49ers under Lynch and Shanahan for for a long time. And really, whatever the 49ers have to pay Chris Kosurek to stay with the team, they should do it. There's not a salary cap for coaches. If he's making a hundred million dollars, I'm fine with it. Yeah, we should definitely watch, uh, watch his salary, watch how many, watch his contract, and and uh, I think that's going to have a lot to do with with our D line, as you said. Another fun thing that I saw recently was a list of the most underrated players in the NFL, and newly acquired uh, Charvarius Ward was on this list. So. Signing your, who's going to be our number one cornerback coming in to start the season. If everyone's healthy, he's number one, I would say. Yeah. yeah, I think it's, it's pretty obvious. So really cool that that's the guy we'd go out and get this off season. And then to, before he even plays a down with his new team, he's on a list of most underrated players in the NFL. So that is, that's an awesome weapon to be bringing into the defense. And we were just hyping up and praising our, our D line. Um, our secondary was not something that we've been hyping up or praising in the last few years, maybe week, a week by week basis, but not as a whole, not heading into the season. Uh, it's always been worry and skepticism heading into the season. So excited to see that that's getting figured out a little bit more. And so having Traverius Ward make this underrated list doesn't actually, you know, mean anything or do anything for us statistically or, promisingly uh, but it just makes me feel better it just makes me feel better that the guy we went out and got is I, supposedly underlooked and could be really good i totally agree i feel like everything i learn about Traverius ward i get more and more excited about that signing every time like every time i read a little piece about him or hear some stuff i'm like yeah like this guy's awesome like i'm i'm a big i'm a big fan of Traverius ward right there with you uh, he hasn't even have, played for us yet yeah. and he's been hyped up constantly so that's no, cool it's, it's going to be a change. And I, it's funny because I still think secondary is probably the weakest spot of the 49ers defense, but it's a lot yep. less weak. And how good yeah. does it have to be when you have the best defensive line in the NFL? I got a quote for you. 
This is a, a new story. This is from I like quotes. This is from 49ers head coach Kyle Shanahan. He said this in a press conference, I believe, last week. This article is from May 25th, so I'm guessing it was it was last Tuesday. So yeah, basically a week ago. Here's the full quote. Yeah, nothing's changed since the surgery. We knew where we were at before that, and then he got the surgery, so everything went on hold. I expect him at some time, most likely, to be traded, but who knows? It's not a guarantee, and it's been exactly on hold when that happened. And when he is healthy, we'll see what happens. And if you're wondering who he was talking about, that is quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo. So there's a lot to unpack. When was that quote? quote? That was last Tuesday at Shanahan's press okay. availability, which has, has yeah. echoed what Shanahan said before at the owner's meetings. He basically said the same thing. Like we were going to trade him and then he had to get shoulder surgery. So we have to wait. Uh-huh. And that is where the 49ers are at right now. They are playing a waiting game. So there's two, there's two things here, right? One is that Shanahan is openly saying we, we want to trade Jimmy, which is different than how he's approached this in the past with his, I don't even know who's going to be alive on Sunday quote. Uh-huh. This is, this is different. This is, uh, well, yeah, we wanted to trade him, but even when we all know what's going to be happening, we all know the inevitable. Kyle still says, Hey, I don't know who's going to be live on Sunday. That's kind of his. Yeah. I don't want to say excuse, but that's what he uses to still say, like, I'm not going to show you all of my cards. So you totally. pointing out the fact that he's saying he's going to be traded. Like that's the fact that Kyle Shanahan is openly saying that is not the same as you and I openly saying that. I mean, that is huge. Yeah, but here's here's the other thing about this quote that I don't like. So it starts out that they expect him to be traded. And then it goes, but who knows? It's not a guarantee. And so that to me means that Shanahan, if they, I wonder if he thinks if they don't get an offer, they'll keep him. And if they keep him on the roster, and if Trey Lance makes a mistake early in the season, I don't know. I I think he needs to be off the roster for Trey's confidence. And I think he needs to be off the roster, quite frankly, so that Kyle can't mess this up. Like, and I, I like Kyle Shannon a lot, but we've talked about how I'm not always the biggest fan of his personnel decisions. And I think he was really vindicated last season with the NFC championship run. I do, but I worry about what might happen if Jimmy Garoppolo is still on the roster this fall. So if the Panthers or the Seahawks won't take Jimmy, I really, really, really think the 49ers will need to cut him and they need to wait for him to pass a physical before that, or else they're, they owe him an $11 million injury guarantee. I think it's not great for the cap hits, but I, I think if they can't make a deal to trade him, I think they need to cut him because, and I, I think they will, but I don't know, just the, the echoes in that, the fact that he's leaving the door open and just, it scares me what would happen if he's on the team this fall. And if, and if Lance disappoints Shanahan in, in any way. I don't know. What do you think about that, Daniel? Am I am I too scared? Am I overthinking this? No, I think that we've seen in the past that it's a little tricky to have both of these two same quarterbacks on the same roster, and it it worries me a little bit as well. So I agree that it's probably best that if he's not for sure the starter, which he's not, it's probably best not to have him on the roster. But I disagree that I think we'll cut him. Um, if we do not trade him, you think he I, stays? Yeah, I think I go 60-40. He stays, he leaves. Um, I think part of that is because, you know, Nate Sudfeld's the backup if if he does get traded, and that's not an awesome backup. Yeah. Um, so that's part of it. But I also think a huge part of it is, you know, Kyle obviously likes having both of him. Kyle, I really think Kyle loves Jimmy, at least as a, as a friend, as a guy, maybe not as much as a player, but Kyle loves to be able to have both quarterbacks. We've seen him enjoy that 
but we haven't necessarily seen him succeed with that, right? Kind of same thing of what you were just saying. So I think that that's a huge part of that's a huge part of what would factor into if they kept him. Um, I don't, you know, it's a business. So just because Jimmy handled it so well this last year does not mean, in my opinion, does not mean he should stay at all. But part of me, and again, I have no quote, I mean, others, others speculation than what you guys have, but part of me thinks that John Lynch and Kyle both want to keep him because it's a crappy situation and cutting him kind of sucks, but it's a business and everything that we just said about the quarterback situation I really think it'd be better if Jimmy was off the roster. Yeah. I'm just not convinced that they do it. The thing is, it's good. There's like benefit in having a good talented backup. If something happens to your starter, but I, I think he's got to be gone. I expect him to be gone. Quite frankly, I still think the 49ers could trade him like, and I know we think like, Oh, it's just the Panthers or the Seahawks, but I mean, just wait a few months. Like somebody's going to tear their ACL in training camp. And that's, that's grim. And that's sad to like, hope for and and think about but someone will get injured and so there's going to be a team that will like there's going to be a team that in three months looks up and doesn't have a quarterback and thinks well here's a guy who two out of the past three seasons has gone to at least the nfc championship game and here's a guy who bill belichick loved like i think i think there's something there so i think i expect him to be traded and i think the 49ers are playing their cards right not not cutting him just yet but it is a little scary but it's nice to see shanahan openly talking about it because this is this is looking like it's trey's job and i just i worry that that if anything regresses on that path it could mess trey up for a long time and i don't know i mean maybe i'm wrong maybe i'm like not giving the kid enough credit the kid he's like two years younger than me but i still think like there's something there's it's a little all that's a little scary so i just i worry yeah. about it hey speaking of other stories that aren't necessarily our favorite to talk about um there's something we have to talk about because <sighs> it involves to. we do we do um our good our, i say our good friend we don't know him um our good defensive lineman friend that we don't know uh javon kinlaw had yeah. an interaction with a reporter that definitely sparked some fires and, and got some news. Um, it, and we'll just start off by saying it's a very weird situation. Yeah. Um, the context that I have, which is not much just from reading a little bit. And I watched an interview or not interview. I watched a vlog with Grant Khan, Um, and I didn't like it. I didn't like it at all. I didn't like what he had to say. I didn't like his attitude towards it either. Um, summarization of it, what I have, and and Timmy can correct me where I'm wrong or add in what he knows is that uh, Grant Khan has been a reporter for the Niners for, is it Khan or Cone? I don't know. It's K O H N. So figure it out. I think it might be Cone because his YouTube channel is like (laughs) the Cone zone. So I I imagine that it rhymes. Oh, for sure. Cone then. Yeah. I just, I don't know the guy. I don't, I don't really care to anymore um, with the way that he handled this. And I know he's, you know, we can't, we can't pretend that, if you're a reporter, I want what's true and not just fluffing up the Niners and making them look real good. So I get that sometimes you got to talk a negative about players. And let me tell you, Grant Cohen has been oh very open and okay talking negatively about Javon Kinlaw. You know, he used certain words. I don't remember all the quotes of what he said, but he was really dogging on Javon Kinlaw and his injuries. I think, I think he referred to him as having 80-year-old knees. Yeah, that was one of them, um, which just I, says, I've probably said something similar at some point. So and that's fine. There's just I think there's other things that 
Um, if you're a reporter for your team, maybe, you know, watch the things you say about yeah, the players clearly, you're for. Clearly, Javon Kinlaw felt kind of dehumanized by how Cohen had referred to him. And what was really interesting, we'll get to this, is a lot of players, former 49ers and current 49ers, really spoke up on the issue. And Grant Cohen has been around the team for a long time. I think his dad covered the 49ers as well. Like, has been in this business and has clearly rubbed a lot of players, at least, the wrong way. And I will say he's kind of an infamous figure in, in Niners Twitter, although I have it on good authority that in person he's actually very, very pleasant and a nice guy. But clearly he, and I, I don't know him, but clearly Javon Kinlaw was not the only player he has bothered with some of his rhetoric and some of the ways he approaches reporting on players. So I think that's important to get out there. Clearly this had been boiling for a long time and clearly Cone's tone and style had been found pretty abrasive by a lot of players. And I think that's worth, that's worth pointing out. Every former player, 49ers, NFL media who had been formerly a player and we'll get into all the details is on was was anti Grant Cohn in this so that was fascinating to me like universally everyone who had played football was like what is this guy doing like why is he given press credentials yeah that's that's kind of my opinion and thought as well um I think the situation got a little messy and it's that's kind of where we're at and um I don't think that either of them handled it really well yeah um, it, it sounds like Javon approached Grant at practice um had some, kind of exchanged weird, some words, exchanged some words. Wasn't it wasn't like a, Hey, let's have an adult conversation of this bothered me. This is this. It was like, I think knocked his hat off his head at one point too, which is always a cool, always a fun move. Always a fun move. That's a classic. Uh, like I'm a lot, I'm a lot bigger than you move. Yeah. I think Javon went for the intimidation route, um, which is never, I mean, when you're, I would imagine that's not the funnest thing to be around when I would imagine Javon Kinlaw is a very large man. That's, Imagine that he is <laughs> yeah and i would imagine it was it succeeded at being intimidating is what i'm trying it's to just <laughs> a bummer to me honestly where it's like okay javon did not handle this well in my opinion i mean yes uh i don't think grant cone did either i think grant cone needed to be reminded of what he says before this even got to that part but javon approached him they had an interaction you know nothing crazy but then what i another, really yeah another interaction later at that practice as well Mm -hmm. um, yeah, the thing that bothered me most about it is this little vlog that Grant Cohn did afterwards in the interaction talking about it when he's like, yeah, he's playing the victim. I mean, totally he clearly was like, oh, this is how I go viral. Like, this is my moment. And he took yes. it. And I to did. some he extent, you got to respect it. Like, you wanted attention and you got it. Like, well, I hope this attention potentially gets him fired and just away from the Niners with what he's saying about, you know, the players of this. And Timmy and I talked about already how so many former players, current players, staff members were like, we're on Javon's side, um, even if he didn't necessarily handle it super well. Yeah. And um, I think the the quote in the video that of uh, the that uh, that really got everyone's attention, and to be honest, I think was taken a little out of context, was he said something like, I saw Kinlaw walking over to me, and I was like, I'm going to be able to retire. Like, And everyone was yeah. like, oh, he's saying he was trying to bait Javon Kinlaw into a conflict so that he could injure him and he could sue him and retire. Like, no, like, that's not what he was saying. Like, he clearly was making an off-the-cuff comment, like a joke. He was not saying that he set this up. So I'm, I'm not on Grant Cohn's side, but I do not think he set this up as an altercation to try to make money. And I feel like that was how it was taken by a lot of people. I'm not on Grant Cohn's side. I think I lean towards Javon Kinlaw on this. 
I don't think he handled it well. I'm not saying any of that, but I do think that particular quote was taken to be a lot more than it was. He wasn't saying that he was like excited about the idea of a conflict. He wasn't saying he was trying to cause it. He was just off the cuff trying to make a joke about what went through his head. It was not a good joke. It did not go over yeah. well. He shouldn't have said it. I think it was taken to be a lot more than it was. That that's my really my one my one point. My one like oh, I think this was taken a little more than it needed to be. Yeah. And I just, I kind of stick with what Kittle said about it, where he's like, this is the kind of guy we let into our facilities every day and to be near the players and, the, and report to the media. And, and he treats our players like this. And it was honestly, it was just the tone of Cone's little vlog he did afterwards, where that just, that really bothered me um, and really got under my skin. And I was very defensive of Javon Kittle on my own heart. Yeah, with the way that Cone was talking about it, and I just I really didn't like his his stupid little vlog after that bothered me. And yeah, um, no, and then, I, I just I agree with what Kittle said of like this is who we let around the team. Where I'm like, hey, I won't try to interact with them in that way. You know, yeah. I, no, I to- I agree. It's not it's not good. And then I mean, Javon Kinlaw later that night went on the Cone Zone, as we mentioned before, Grant Cone's YouTube channel. Uh, for an interview of some kind where he basically just yelled at him the whole time. Again, not great on Javon Kinlaw's part, but Grant Code is just continually baiting him the entire conversation. He's milking it, man. Again, he's seen his moment in the sun. He's trying to take it to some extent as an avid consumer of Twitter. He did a good job of that. I think it could lead to him losing his press credentials, and it it probably should because he was not in any way trying to have an actual interview or conversation. He was just baiting him the entire time. Javon Kinlaw took the bait. Um, not a great clip for either player. Um, you imagine that Javon Kinlaw was called into the communications director's office the next day and, and talked to, I'm told that they made up in person behind the scenes the next day, uh, in person and talked through it. So hopefully they, I don't know how much of a makeup it truly was. Yeah. I mean, at least they spoke in person and not, not on YouTube for all to see, but yeah, it was in person, but I saw some quotes from it and I don't think that it's, it's. It's not great all around. Clearly Cone got under Kinlaw's skin. You can imagine why the man's been fighting through injuries for two years, has had kind of a crazy life. He was homeless for a while. Like you, you can understand why, how he could get under his skin like that. And so I think, I think a couple things need to come out of it. I hopefully Kinlaw um, won't take the bait the next time somebody baits him like this. Cause unfortunately that will happen as an NFL player. And hopefully Grant Cone, I don't know if he loses his press credentials, but has has hopefully at least learned a little bit that Maybe. some of the things he writes and says are consumed and and can lead can lead to this. So we'll we'll see what happens. Like I said, not a good look all around. I don't really think I'm on anybody's side on it. I don't think either of them handled it professionally or or well. And I think ideally neither ideally this never happens at all and mm-hmm. never happens again. I did see an interesting, uh, somebody asked Matt Barrows of the athletic, his weekly mailbag last week. Like, have you ever had a player mad at you? He was like, yeah, like three times that he went through the ball and like all of them. He's like, yeah, I kind of agreed with the player. He's like one of them. I like interviewed a guy's mom for a story and like, didn't ask him first. And he wasn't even mad. I interviewed his mom. He was just mad. I didn't tell him. And I was like, yeah, that's fair. Like, I'm sorry. Like, so I don't know. It's interesting. Um, I don't know how press credentials work, but if there's an open press credentials, 49ers, I would love to have it. Um, I also want to extend an open invite to Javon Kinlaw or any other 49ers players to come on the show and discuss at any time. As Daniel has said, we, we are on your side and we will not say you have 80 year old knees. Um, but yeah, sorry, pro- probably not a good time to make that joke. But again, I think walking away from that, it's a bummer, 
you hope that doesn't happen. And yeah, that's, that's really my take. I thought the whole thing was a bummer and it brought attention on the 49ers that, that wasn't good, that we didn't need. And I think, I don't think anyone really, I don't think either of them handled it particularly professionally, but I understand how Kinlaw could come to that point. And I think it was kind of a sober reminder as guys who comment on the 49ers that we are, we are talking about, about men. And I doubt any of them listen to this podcast and I doubt any of them have ever read anything I write, but it's, it's something to remember that like these are actual people. And I don't know. Yeah. No, I think kind of a sober reminder. Exactly. I think you summarized it well right there with that sentence that Cone needs that reminder and all reporters, all podcasters, all people that aren't the players need reminders that they're normal people too. And that, you know, they have feelings, they worked hard to get where they are. And it's, yeah. you know, easy for people like you and I to sit here who are not in the NFL, who really have no part in the NFL other than the fan experience and trying to get as involved as we can. And just saying what we want to try to get our moment in the sun um, and not at the cost yeah. of, of hurting anyone else. So, yeah, I think that's, I think that's all, all I want to take away is remembering, like is remembering that these guys can take things personally yeah. and go through a Absolutely. lot. And so I think in summary, it's a bummer. I'm bummed. It happened. I'm bummed. We have to talk about it, but we do. Cause it was the, the key moment of 49ers discourse mm-hmm. of the past two weeks. And yeah. It's a bummer that that was the key moment of 49ers discourse, to be honest. Like I would have much rather talked about OTAs the whole time and how Lance is supposedly looking good. And I just, I don't, I don't want to have to You've heard good reports there. Yeah. Yeah. There are good reports there. There's two other small, smaller pieces that I want to have us talk about real quick as we get close to the end of our, our show. Um, 49ers special teams last year. What would you rate that on a scale from one to 10? Three. Yeah, not great. Not great by any means. Um, so another cool thing that the 49ers did this offseason, um, it was nice to see them address what seems like all of their needs. Um, at least touch them. Uh, try to patch a hole in, in them if, at the very least. You know, um, Like we said earlier in, the, in today's episode that uh, secondary is still the weakest link for the 49ers. But when your defensive line and linebacker room is that good, of course our secondary is going to be the weaker link. But it still could get better. It still could improve. But what the Niners did on special teams is they went out and they signed Ray Ray McLeod, who has bounced around but then spent his last two years on the Steelers. Is their kind of fourth or fifth wide receiver and their return specialist. So we didn't really have a full on we did not have someone who was just a return specialist this last year brendan Ayuk did some even debo samuel in some big games did some because yeah. he's an electric runner um but it was cool to see us go out and get a guy who's going to focus on returning help us help our special teams get better and improve there so yeah and special team, I mean, we saw the importance of special team. I mean special teams won us that playoff game against the packers right like special yep. teams is is important yeah, and you it's know we special. made some other moves. We it's special. <laughs> we signed some other guys that you know when you get the reports of the Niners signed this guy, and you're like, I have no idea who that is. A lot of special unless teamers. you just right, unless you just don't know a lot of players, like you know, which is okay. But uh, I believe we have a new special teams coordinator as well, right? Yeah, we do. Yeah. 
Um, I don't know his name. Apologies. Special teams. I would have to look as well. I just know that we lost our old one. You're special. I don't remember your name. (sighs) You are special. Um, The old one's last name was Hightower, but that's not helpful in this conversation. And hopefully Ray Ray McLeod is special. Hopefully he's really special at returning the football. And he has never had a uh, return for a touchdown, but hopefully that this year is the year he does it. Hopefully he just gets us in better position to start our drives. Um, and hopefully some of the other guys yeah. that we've added are good at um, charging downfield and, and making some tackles earlier yeah. on than we saw this last season. So I just wanted to say it's Brian, cool to see the Niners address Brian Schneider is his name. Oh, yeah. I know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Next piece of news. And again, this is not set in stone, um, but I believe early on in OTAs, um, I'm seeing that seen reports as well that Aaron Banks is technically taking over at, I won't even say taking over. There's a lot of speculation and it yeah. looks like Aaron Banks is going to be taking over at the left guard spot. Yeah. And if you kind of pay attention to what's going on, the 49ers are kind of trying to retcon last year to make it seem like it seems to me like Banks is going to start because they keep saying things like, Oh, he was actually ready last year. We just didn't want to like mess up the chemistry at the end of the season. But by the end, like he was ready to go like stuff like that. It's like, okay. Like they're definitely trying to like retcon in that like Banks is ready. So I think even more because of the dialogue than because of what's happening at OTAs, I think Aaron Banks is going to be the starting left guard. If I had to bet right now. Yeah. And I think, I think right now that's uh, a fair bet. Um, I would love to see him do that as well. And I would love to see him succeed in that early on. Um, I think that would be incredible. Um, but there's, there's some other yeah. positions to, to be watching. Um, you know, edge rusher, we talked already a little bit about with Drake Jackson, gonna, Drake Jackson, and then Samson Ebukum, who's going to take that primary second spot. Drake Next Jackson. to Nick Bosa. Yeah, is it Drake Jackson? Is Nick D Bosa going to have much to say? OTAs, by the way, that's worth saying. Debo Samuel, not at OTAs. Both pretty expected. Yep. Oh, yeah. A lot of guys aren't at OTAs, but a lot of guys like Trent Williams is in OTAs, but it's like Trent Williams is the best left tackle in the world and has done this for like 10 years. He doesn't need to be at OTAs. Not that Nick Bosa yeah. and Debo Samuel do, but you'd expect them to be there if not for the pending contract disputes. We've talked about how Debo's obviously has gotten the most attention. I think Bosa's is important as well. I don't know if it's a dispute yet, but I guarantee you he's not showing up until there's an extension signed. And I think that has been pretty clear by how he handled even like his rookie deal. I'm not saying he handled it wrong, but he he held out for a bit until he showed up. And what we've seen from his brother, Joey Bosa, who he shares an agent with, I don't think Nick Bosa shows up until he's the highest paid defensive player in the NFL. I expect him uh. to become that, but I don't think he shows up this offseason until that is the case. Or actually, correct me if I'm wrong, he will show up because the CBA changed recently to where you'll get fined if you don't show up. But what he'll do is he'll show up and not practice. So I don't expect him to be a participant in OTAs or training camp until he signs that extension, which hopefully is soon. Hopefully that one is being negotiated behind the scenes without as much attention as Debo's has gotten. Hopefully both those contracts can be squared away, but just a reminder that Debo Samuel is not the only 2019 draft pick who the 49ers really need to work out a contract with. Yeah. None. Just looking at some other fun quotes uh, that gets me excited for where we're at. And, you know, we already said the position battle cornerback and safety, I would say are the other two positions to kind of watch in uh, 
OTAs and training camp to see where guys are going to match up and in terms of depth chart. And we will talk much more about that when we actually have some, some things of substance, you know, it's so early on, we have no idea. We already kind of think we know certain things, um, but we'll continue to watch our rookies, watch the undrafted free agents, see if any of those guys climb the ladder and surprise any of us and make the team. And if they make the team, that means they're cutting out someone else's spot. So just a couple, two notes real quick of things that are going to make us feel good about the Niners this so far in this off season. So, so far in OTAs, I mean, um, Jason Verrett is getting praised by the coaching staff, which is awesome. You know, we want a cornerback to be praised right now, especially Jason Verrett, who we love I, is coming back off injury. I, know, I was going to say, I'm, here. I'm such a Jason Verrett fan because he was just so good when he played. And then we just want just, the best for him. He's had such a rough career of injuries. Yeah, exactly. Yes. I just like, like I, there's might be no 49er that I'm like more emotionally invested. Well, no, Trey Lance. I'm definitely more emotionally invested <laughs> in Trey's success, but there's no, no 49er that would like make me feel happier, like warm and fuzzy inside than Jason Verrett, like having a successful season this year. So yeah, I'm a Verrett. I don't know. What's a good, what's a good name for like a Verrett fan, a Verrett variety a Verrett. Boo. We'll, we'll work on it. We'll work on, <laughs> I'll workshop that and I'll be back in two weeks with a better name for a Jason Verrett stand. Okay. Hear me out on this analogy. My my mother was watching uh, America's Got Talent last night, and this really sweet kid, I think he's like 20, 21, was playing the saxophone, and it was electric. And he was bullied growing up. He shared his story that he started playing the saxophone as his outlet from being bullied and was incredible, was so nervous, was in tears before he played. And it's the most electric performance I've ever seen. He had every single person in the stadium arena building whatever crying terry cruz the host of america's got talent was crying and he went and pressed that golden buzzer which means that it doesn't matter what the judges say he's moving on to the finals and this guy was amazing at the saxophone but i said to my mom i'm like i wonder if you know the thing i the problem i have with these shows i guess is like because it was a moving experience they think like, oh, we want him to win. But was his talent the best? I don't know. He was incredible. So it could have been, but I Only see Jason Verrett as America's that. got talent anyways. Right. I see Jason Verrett as this guy where he might not. Jason Verrett definitely is not the most talented cornerback in the NFL, let alone cornerback on the Niners. I think he potentially could have been earlier on in his career, but the injuries certainly derailed him from that highest level of success. But he moves us to tears. His story of getting injured and fighting back in, in the ways where he was supposed to be our number one cornerback last year gets injured and was out. We, we're rooting for him. Like everyone in that building was rooting for this guy playing the saxophone last night. And that's how I see Jason Verrett this year. I don't know if any, if that makes sense to anyone. If well, someone Jason Verrett is know, a well-known saxophone player. So yeah. Okay. I that up. Yeah. But how um, awesome would that be? One other cool thing that I see uh, from Niner Noise is that uh, Ty Davis Price brings thunder to this lightning backfield. I believe it when I see it. I like Ty Davis Price. I just drafted him in a dynasty league because I had Elijah Mitchell and I kind of felt like I needed to. Yeah, it's not a bad idea. I will be ignoring all 49ers running back discourse until week one because I have learned that they lie. 
So I don't believe anything until I see it on the field. No, it's fair. I hate to break it to you, naive, inexperienced 49ers fan, but Kyle Shanahan is a liar all the time. He lies. He lies. I don't believe anything, especially about running back or quarterback rooms until I see it on the field. And the last thing I want to say is, uh, see, I don't even want to get into a big conversation about this because I have no grounds to say this. But when in the draft last year, when Trey Lance was being not projected, but prospected as one of the, the options for number three overall, there there was, you know how they do player comparisons to players in the NFL. A lot of the time, they'll pick a much better player than a lesser player, unless said prospect has no way of ever being a star. But Trey Lance has been thrown around. I've used this. I've certainly used this with a lot of my friends, this comparison, and I get pushed back, of course. And by no means do I think he's there, or am I saying that he will be this good eventually, but I think he has the tools and the potential to be compared. We're talking Trey Lance to be compared to Josh Allen. Yeah. And that comparison gets a lot. I mean, the main reason it gets thrown out is smaller school guy, huge, big athlete, rocket arm, super athletic, took a little time to get going, had to knock off a lot, had to like really become more polished in his time at the NFL. I that that's a lot of the reason for the comparison. Um, I would love nothing more than for that to be the case. Yep. Well, I totally think it's possible, but it's hard. It's it's hard to say that comparison without people being like, what are you talking about? Yeah, no, of course. And people should react that way right now just because it is uh, it is a very outlandish comparison right now. And I try to make it as clear as this is what I'm hoping could be. And there is inklings of potential there's a little bit of fairy dust lying around and we're just hoping Trey Lance finds that and becomes that um and I I love that you pointed out the small school thing because I think that if you look at that draft was that 2018 draft for Josh Allen yeah Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold was it sixth I think so I think it might have been seventh or eighth or ninth. That was, was the year later. when uh, when there were nine mistakes made ahead of Josh Rosen. Yes, and I thought Josh Allen went right before Josh Rosen. I I'm not gonna lie. I had I had two takes from that from that draft class, and I was saying it to everybody who would listen before the draft. And I said two things. I said the two quarterbacks. I said one thing, but it was two things. I said the two quarterbacks who are going to be the best in this draft class are Lamar Jackson and Josh Rosen. And I think that the success of Lamar Jackson really balances out the Josh Rosen of that take to make it a pretty uh, solid statement for me to be going around saying. But unfortunately, yeah, I think Josh I Allen has probably surpassed um, a pick seven. I was close. Josh Rosen is probably Josh Allen has probably surpassed Lamar, even though Lamar has an MVP. But yeah, yeah, I'm not too sure about that one. I don't know, but. I don't know. I just think that maybe the Niners saw how Josh Allen went to a small school, maybe a bigger sample Ooh, it looks size worse than and worse. Had. Now I'm looking at this 2018 draft. Do you know Saquon oh, yeah. Barkley? I forgot Saquon Barkley went second. And yeah. Saquon's a great player, but man, he went before Bradley Chubb, Denzel yep. Ward, Quinton Nelson, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson. Oh, yeah. Josh Rosen. And so mistakes. just just taking into that consideration of 
maybe the Niners peaked at the fact that, you know, I'm sure they saw Trey Lance like, Hey, you know, similar young, unpolished uh, attributes, characteristics of Josh Allen, smaller school. They're like, okay, well, we saw that the bills took a chance on Josh Allen and it worked out. Maybe we're going to take a chance on a similar thing with Trey Lance and hoping it works out in just the same way. So just thought I would end today's show with that, that wild comparison, just to get you talking and thinking right at the end of the show. Nice. Yeah. Let's just hope that it works out that way. Yeah. I'd be a big fan. I'm, I'm in too. I would not be against Trey Lance becoming Josh Allen. I'm going to go on the record and say that I think it would be a good thing if Trey Lance became as, became as good of a player as Josh Allen. I know I might be risking my career by making such a statement. And I hope Trey Lance doesn't come knock the hat off my head for saying something so terrible. Oh gosh. That's what we got for you guys today. Be looking out for, you know, you know, it'd be the coolest thing ever. We keep every, every, every time we end a show, we go, Hey, the amount of times we've ended a show and said, Hey, hopefully by next show, Jimmy's traded. Ha 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 ha. So many times we've said that. And that it'll be true this time. So, well, I'm more so thinking I expect maybe Debo's extended by next show. I was just going to say, I feel like I expect in my heart there to be nothing. Almost no news of substance other than a few OTA rumblings. And so maybe it's happening when I least expect it, that Debo is signed or Jimmy's traded, because I expect neither of the two. I expect nothing big to happen in the next two weeks before we talk again. So maybe a lot happens. Maybe I just ruined it. Who knows? Yeah. But yeah, listeners, thanks for tuning in. If any 49ers players are listening to this podcast, open invite to come on at any time. Please, George, please. Please, please, please. Thank you again for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this episode of 49ers Unrestricted. And uh, stay safe out there, everybody. Daniel, any parting words? Stay safe. Enjoy the heat. But stay safe in the heat.